Let me add my good morning as well. Glad you are here. If you're online with us, we are glad you are joining us as well. Hey, a couple of kind of housekeeping notes that we missed a few minutes ago. The funeral service celebration of life for O.L. Smith will be this Tuesday here at Shiloh at 10 a.m. And so make sure you um, know that's going to be here 10 a.m. Tuesday. The other thing is with Harry and Pam and all they're going through, Harry is going to be kind of stepping into a sabbatical time just to take a break so that he can concentrate and focus on Pam and her needs right now. And so um, continue, as, as John said, to lift that family up, um, Pam and Harry, um, and Harry will be taking a sabbatical. As far as our shepherding group goes for that, we're going to kind of handle it. Um, we're not going to really divide it up and, and things like that right now. We're just going to continue on. And so if you're in that group with me, um, we'll just keep going. So... We are um, in week two of this series. I love to do this series kind of around Thanksgiving, um, the song of my heart, and looking at particular psalms that really speak to us. As we said last week, psalms um, can be taught, but psalms are supposed to be felt, that, that we should feel the weight of the psalmist and what he is, these words that he is speaking because they do flow out of a heart of worship and adoration for God. And we asked this question last week, what happens, what happens when something gets so deep within your bones that it actually becomes part of who you are? And, and my hope, and one of the things I've learned and, and kind of incorporated into my practices of prayer is praying the Psalms. Um, learning them, memorizing them, praying them, because so many times I think what the Psalms do for me is they give words to my feelings. They give words to my relationship with God that I might not be able to come up with on my own. And I, I love that about praying the Psalms. And so we, we sang this Psalm, part of it, this morning. Um, just a few minutes ago. We're going to sing another part of it um, after we get done. And it's a psalm that most of you at least know parts of. And it's Psalm 95. And I know for a lot of you that just like to turn, the first time we go through this, I would love for you just to listen to the words. Not, not read along, not, but listen and feel the words of the psalmist. Come, let us sing with joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord, he is the great God, the great king above all gods. And in his hands are the depths of the earth. The mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it. In his hands they form the dry land. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. For He is our God. And we are the people of His pasture, the flock under His care. Today, if only you would hear His voice. Do not harden your hearts as you did in Meribah. As you did in the day at Massah in the wilderness. There your ancestors 
tested me. They tried me. Even though they knew what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray. They are a people who do not know my ways. I declared an oath in my anger. They will never enter my rest. My guess is you have heard the first almost half, a little over half, of that song. And probably because of the songs that we sing, you could probably get pretty close to going through the, the majority of that song. Because we sing, come, let us sing with joy to the Lord, right? We, we just sang Psalm 95. We, we sing kind of the middle section, it's really in three sections, that second section, come let us worship and bow down. But then there's a third section, and my guess is for many of you, you didn't know that was actually part of the psalm. Because so many times when we go through that psalm, we go through the really upbeat worship part, and then we kind of leave out the from today forward part. And, and so many times I think um, it's because of the way it makes us feel. Right? Psalms are meant to be felt. The, this psalm here is a psalm of thanks, or a psalm of thanksgiving, but it is also an invitation or a call to worship. It is to come together as the people of God to worship the Creator, to gather as the people of God and worship Him. And one of the things that, that really sticks out to me in this is the emotions that this psalm encapsulates. Right? Come, let us sing with joy. Let us shout to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before Him with thanks, with gratefulness, and extol Him with music and song. Why? Because He is the great God, the great King above all gods. And he has created everything. He holds everything in his hands. And then there is this shift, it seems like, in emotion. It goes from this place of celebration and joy to a place of, let us bow down before the king. And I think one of the things in our fellowship historically that we've been really afraid of is emotion in worship. But one of the things I think you see in the Psalms over and over and over is emotion. You see people coming together to worship and there is joy and celebration. There are people lifting their hands, but there are also people who are falling to their knees. There are people celebrating God's deliverance, and there are people broken and crying out for God to restore and heal. And there is a full spectrum of those emotions. And you think about Jesus' prayer. Right? 
is, is, is he's talking to his disciples. Is he's asked what the greatest commandment is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I think we're really good at worshiping God in our fellowship with our mind. And sometimes not as good with our heart and soul. Because for us as the people of God, you should come in here in a different place each week. Because you're living life, and life is difficult. And there are going to be times when you come in here celebrating, and there are going to be times when you come in here mourning. There are going to be times when you want to stand and lift your hands, and there are going to be times when you want to fall on your knees. And I think so many times we come in here with this idea that this is just what we do every week. And someone's going to stand up here and we're going to sing and we're going to sing because that's what we're supposed to do. But what the psalmist is inviting the people of God to is to come and worship. To come and let everything out before God. But I think one of the, the problems we have as the people of God is our understanding of our relationship with God. Because I think we have a, a sickness, a disease. I'm going to call it TWM. And what it means is we have a temple worship mindset. That the temple was the place that people went to worship God. It, it came from the idea of the tabernacle. Right? Tabernacle just means dwelling place. It is the place where God dwelt, and so the people of God came together to worship God in that place because in their mind, that was the place where God dwelt. That was where you go to meet with God. But something beautiful happens on the cross. As Jesus breathes his final breath, it says the temple curtain was ripped in two. It was ripped in two. And it's almost God's way of saying, I am not confined by a space. Right? As the psalmist says, the whole earth is God and it is full of his glory. I'm not confined to a space. And so worship is not something that happens just when you come here. Worship happens everywhere. And the beauty is as Jesus rises from the dead, he promises that he would give his spirit to his people. That his people would actually become this living tabernacle. This dwelling place, the place where God resides within each and every one of his people. And so it's not that you come here to worship. You did come here to worship. But it wasn't just simply to worship. 
We came here to collectively, as the people of God, worship. As the Hebrew writer says, right? should we give up gathering? No. We need to come together. Why? For the strength of the body. Because this time is the time where collectively, as the people of God, we turn our minds back to God. Because as I said earlier, life is difficult. And there are times when life takes you down, life beats you up, life gets really difficult, and we start to lose focus. And there are times when life is really good, and things are going well. And we start to think, look at the strength of my hands, and look what I've been able to produce. That we come together as the people of God to point our mind back to God. And so the purpose isn't to come here to worship God because we need to do that to be right with God. It's because as the people of God, we need to do that to be right with God. I know that makes no sense. But collectively, that we as the people of God would join together in celebration and joy and sorrow as we worship God together. Because here's the thing. You worship God everywhere you go. Because he dwells in you. You don't simply have to come into this room, in this space to worship. And the, the truth is the same thing was true about the tabernacle and the temple. But what they believed, what, what was in their head, and I think probably what's in our heart, is well this is the place that we worship. But the problem when we do that is it starts to compartmentalize our life. And it starts to make a life that is disconnected between church and life. See, you didn't come here to worship. You came worshiping. That worship is a 24-7, 365-day pursuit. It is every moment of every day of your entire life. But we come here so that collectively as the people of God, we turn our minds back to Jesus. And we start to connect this life with everything else we do. Because it all flows together. It all is a part of who we are. But what's really different about this psalm is really how incredible this voice is. Because it goes from this structure of praise and adoration to sorrow and humility to this prophetic voice. And it's a prophetic voice the people needed to hear. 
Right? It's this invitation to come and worship because we need it. Collectively, as the body of Christ, we need this badly because it reminds us that we are one. In Corinthians, it was Paul's concern. As he's talking about the way they take the Lord's Supper. And the concern that Paul has is the body. As the people gather, he says to them, the, the problem is that your feast, your celebration, is doing more harm than it is doing good. And he says it's doing more harm because there are some people who do it in a really selfish way. Some people just eat and some people just drink and there's other people who don't have anything. And then you take this bread that represents Jesus' body and blood, you take this drink, and it doesn't connect that what Jesus did made all of us one. It connected us. Right? The person next to you is now a part of you. And, and so I want you to listen, Just and I, it's not on the screen, I just want you to listen for, for these words in um, 1 Corinthians. He says, So then, whoever eats this bread or drinks this, the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, he's already defined for us what an unworthy manner looked like. It was taking it and not worrying about the other people around you. It was you eating and drinking and not concerned for the person sitting next to you who you're one with. Whoever takes it in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Why? Because that body and blood made us one. It connected us. And so he says everyone should examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without discerning the body of Christ, that's the word, discerning the body of Christ. And so he could be saying the body of Christ is in the physical body that's on the cross. But contextually what he's saying is whoever eats and drinks this without discerning the needs of the body of Christ that's gathered here is eating and drinking judgment on themselves. We've made communion this hyper-individualized practice where this is about me and my relationship, and it's when I focus back on the cross. And I think what Paul would say is you should be focused back on the cross every moment of every day. It transforms and changes who you are. But the purpose of sharing a meal together is the people that you're sharing the meal with. I think one of the most spiritual things we could do as the people of God as we take communion would be to look at the person sitting next to you and say, hey, I know you lost a loved one this week. Are you doing okay? Because what this body what this blood represents 
is that you and I are now one. And because of what Jesus has done, we are connected in a way that the rest of the world doesn't understand. And so now my greatest concern is not me, it's you. I think that's what the proclamation was about. That Jesus on the cross looked out over a humanity that was broken and hurting and said, Father, forgive them. Their needs are more important than mine. And then you look at the very next thing he says after he talks about it bringing judgment on ourselves. And he says, this is the reason some people are sick and hurting and some people have fallen asleep. Because we've forgotten about discerning the needs of the body of Christ. See, this invitation to come and worship was an invitation to collectively come together as the people of God. That we would encourage each other that we would spur one another on to good works, that we would find in each other strength, and we would see in each other humility, and we would see people who are hurting and saying, hey, I am so sorry, and I am here with you, and you would see people who are in need, and you would say that I'm drinking this cup, I'm drink, eating this bread because we are one, and we are connected, and so now my greatest concern is you and your needs. That's why this was so important to do every single week. Yes, it connects us back to Jesus, but it's so much deeper than just, okay, I want you to sit there and individually think about what this means for you. That should happen all the time. No, now we're sharing a meal together, and this meal is the body and the blood of Christ. And here's why it's important. Because he shifts from a place of thanksgiving and humility to a prophetic voice. To the voice of a prophet standing in front of the people. The people he is calling to come and worship God together. He says, today, do not harden your hearts as you did in Meribah as you did at Massah in the wilderness. Don't do what the people did there. They tested me and they tried me, even though, what, what did they do? They declared that God was their God and that they trusted him with everything and they followed him out of the, the, the Red Sea. They followed him out of Egypt. And they get into the wilderness and they don't have what they need. And the very first thing they do is they start to look around at their own wisdom and their own strength and their own intellect to solve the problem. God, we love you and we trust you. Wait, I'm in need. I'm, I've got to figure this out. I 
It's a question. If you're going to worship and declare God's goodness and power and strength, then will you truly surrender everything to Him? All of you. Your heart, your soul, your mind. Will it be surrendered and given to Him? Don't do what the people did back then. Right? They tested me and they tried me. And he says, for 40 years I was angry with that generation. For 40 years he was angry because they grumbled and complained. And I think we have this mindset of, okay, the people grumbled and complained, so for 40 years God was, these kids these days. The other day, um, we're, we're getting our pictures taken over Thanksgiving as a family. And so we um, got to go pick out our outfits for the whole family. So Thursday night, we left our house about 5.30 to go to a couple of stores to find clothes for everyone in our family. And so we went to the mall first. We didn't find much there. We went on down to Target, and we found a little bit there, and we went across the street to Walmart, and we found a couple things there, and we were in the middle of Walmart, and I looked at Cammie, and I just said, just so you know, I have reached my capacity. (laughs) I can't do this much longer. So then we went to Kohl's, and then we went to Academy to finish out our night. Little past my capacity. And by the end of the night, and here's the thing, is every store we went into, you got the boys, I get the girls. So I had Ryan and Caleb. Caleb is 10, he bounces. Ryan is 14, so he pesters. Neither of them are listening, they're with their grandparents, so don't tell them I told you that. But by the time we got to to Cole's, I was seriously like, I'm going to kill my kids. With the love of Jesus, they're going to get to go meet him. And even the next morning, I woke up just kind of grumpy and in a bad mood because of the night before. But as the day went on and I started to interact with the kids and my anger kind of faded away. And it's interesting that we have this this kind of mindset like, well, I I was angry for 40 years that, that God just, well, they grumbled and complained, so I'm just done. But what they what he says, what the prophet, prophetic voice says is there are people whose hearts have gone astray. It it was a people who continually lost sight of me. It was a people who collectively continued to follow their own wisdom and desires. Try to find their own way. 
and their hearts were distant from me. See, the, the problem was it was continual. Because he says for 40 years, here, here's my, my assumption, and, and this is because I've, I know Jesus, and God is what, G, what, I'm sorry, Jesus is what God has to say. Like, you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Here's my, my belief. 20 years in, all the people had said, you know what? We've totally lost sight of God, and we're going to surrender our life to him, and we're going to humble. See, see I think we think he, they wondered for 40 years because God sent them on this journey. I think they wondered for 40 years because they had an inability to listen. I think if they had slowed down long enough to be still, they might have heard God's voice saying, no, go right. Go right. Not left. That invitation to come and worship together as the people of God is an invitation of oneness within the body of Christ. That the person sitting next to you or in front of you or behind you is a part of you. And collectively, we are pursuing Jesus as the people of God. See, my challenge to you would be don't follow your heart. It would be to surrender your heart and listen to his voice. To listen to his voice that is calling you to him. Yes, to worship. To sing and shout for joy to the Lord. To come and bow down before him. Because he is our good shepherd. But it is to surrender our hearts to him. Don't be like the people were thousands of years ago who thought they could make it on their own. Who thought they had the wisdom and they had the strength to make it. Surrender. 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 And follow. As one unified, beautiful, messy people of God. Father, today we are so incredibly thankful for what you did for us on the cross. Father, that gift as you looked out over an angry crowd humiliated, 
hurting and in pain and said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. And then breathing your last breath, knowing it was for us, the body of Christ, that because of what you did now, we are connected together as the people of God. And we're not just here by chance. We're here because you have called us and because you have invited us. And our purpose here is to encourage and lift up each other to worship and shout your name together as the people of God. And Father, may we never take it for granted that we have a family to belong to. A family when we're hurting that can walk alongside us. A a family that when we're sad and in sorrow and mourning, they can cry with us. A family that when we're celebrating the joy and goodness of our God, they can celebrate and be joyful with us. Father, we thank you for your goodness that gives life to your people. May we, your people, give life to this world. We pray together in the name of Jesus. Amen.